Welcome to Universal Joint Podcast. I'm entertain writer Jim Hill and my co-host Dustin Fuse and I are recording this podcast on Sunday, September 20th, 2020. And okay, Dustin, correct me if I'm wrong. It was July 24th of this year when we found out uh, that Halloween Horror Nights was was going to be canceled uh, at both the Universal Orlando Resort as well as Universal Studios Hollywood, right? Yep. When Universal came out and said they were canceling Halloween Horror Nights, they said they were canceling the event. They didn't say that they were canceling mm-hmm. Halloween. So throughout the time period between July and uh, September, there were some hints. And uh, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, they kind of uh, changed things on well, us. They, but <laughs> the interesting thing is that they didn't change immediately. Yeah, I mean, again, that was the story, and it was very sad. You know, we, we 30th anniversary of the event, and you know, and and we got the um, um blanket, the tribute story. Is that what it was called? Yeah, the Halloween Horror Nights uh, tribute store. So that so that opened. So that was was kind of you know our, you know, it's like here we'll we'll make a gesture. You can at least buy the merch, but you know we're not doing anything and. Then this this weird thing happened. Um, did you see the images? It was like last Friday or Saturday that showed up online where literally these two frames had been pulled out from backstage and dropped in Production Central, that, that street that runs from the entrance of the park all the way back to, uh, what is it, the New York Public Library. Um, yeah, when Universal came out uh, and basically acknowledged that there were these uh, things showing up, they were like, oh, it's okay. It's the world's most anticipated churro stand. <laughs> well. And, and it was hilarious because everyone was just like, oh, we're we're getting houses. We're getting houses. And Universal over inside being like, it's okay, guys. It's okay. We're literally, it's going to be churros. Uh-huh. You guys are getting excited for churros. I know you love churros, but it's just churros. Well, but you know, but again, interesting you say that because there was enough stuff, you know, online and and again, you know, just people examining the clues, going, you know, full Scully and Mulder, uh, that uh, Dwayne Bevel, uh, you know, from the Orlando Sentinel, you know, their longtime theme park. Uh, reporter came out and actually made a special trip to the parks just to look at these frames because it's like wait a minute those are the frames that they put the warning signs for the haunted houses on you know the the thing that very intense uses fog strobe you know oh that sort of thing and so did this mean that halloween horror nights was in fact coming back from the dead and because remember you know this is universal we're talking about and they they have a strong tradition of we killed the monster i mean i remember uh, 1931 the original frankenstein uh you know the doctors at the top of the windmill they get you know, with his monster and angry villagers set fire to the windmill and it burns down so monster dead right like no 1935 bride of frankenstein you know that that turns out monster fell through the burning uh you know windmill into the flooded basement and he survived and but he end of bride of frankenstein uh he pulls a switch and supposedly blows up you know dr frankenstein's lab along and the monster and his bride are dead and it's like nope you know that that you know, but <laughs> son of Frankenstein. We find the monsters come with those bodies, but still alive come with those bodies, in the Frankenstein family crypt. And there were five more Universal mo- monster movies. Of, uh, you know, 1942's Ghost of Frankenstein, all the way through to 1948's 
Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein, which, by the way, is a really good movie. If you haven't seen that in a while, really good movie. Um, but he he dies. He dies at the end of every one of these. He's been encased in ice. He's been smothered in sulfur. He sinks in quicksand. Then he comes back. So why is it that, you know, given that, you know, that this is how the Universal Classic Monsters exist, why is it that we should expect when they say, oh, no, no Halloween Horror Night this year? That, that Why should we believe them? You know, if the monsters don't die, the event doesn't die. And, sh and sure enough, uh, this Friday morning, you know, suddenly we get word that there are two mazes open. Uh, and what did you discover online, uh, Dustin? So they did uh, reservations for premium, uh, premium annual pass holders uh, for the first day. So the first day was you had to be a pass holder mm -hmm. to get uh, access to the two houses. Mm -hmm. um, now, I do want to be as honest as possible. Universal is not calling this Halloween Horror Nights. Mm -hmm. This is a Halloween haunted house. Uh, some have called it HHN 29.5. Uh -huh. um, I'm just a fan because mm -hmm. any time that you can have a Halloween Horror Nights during the day, it's mm -hmm. great. Um, you get different senses. Um, so what we found was when folks had the chance to go online to get their, their reservations, mm -hmm. um, things sold out immediately. Immediately. Okay. Everybody wanted to be there because it was Halloween Horror Nights. Okay. Uh, just, just interrupt for a sec here, though. Sure. Um, so, again, Friday, first day, and but even before the premium pass holders got access, it was the Universal team members that morning, right, who were uh, yes. actually going in and checking out the mazes, or excuse me, the houses? Yeah, and I was really impressed with the team member preview and the fact mm -hmm. that we didn't really get a lot of spoilers. Mm -hmm. uh, the team members that went through had the opportunity to see everything that the creative department and their fellow uh, team members mm -hmm. have been creating for the last number of months and really enjoyed it. Now, let's really think about the way that this process went out. So they had the Friday morning with the team members, then they went out and allowed the annual pass holders the opportunity to uh, go through the houses. The two houses that they brought online were the Universal Monsters, The Bride of Frankenstein Lives, which is one of Universal Pictures' most notorious monsters um, and is a basic you know, idea that Universal has done over the years. They'll bring a property that everyone loves and they'll do a house about it. Then they brought The Revenge of the Tooth Fairy, which is an original story uh, that uncovers the dark ritual behind the innocent childhood tradition of, you know, the tooth fairy coming in, taking your teeth and then giving you money. Um, things were really interesting when you actually set, set foot inside of the houses, though, because you had the ability for these uh, team members and characters and folks who were all into um, creating this this environment, this haunted house. And in a world where we are dealing with uh, COVID-19 and social distancing and precautions being put out there so that way everyone is being safe, they did it right. They had the ability to bring a large number of guests through houses and actually had all of the characters and performers protected because they put plexiglass in a lot of the scaring areas. Now, this did give away a, a couple of the uh, the scares. 
um, because you would look around and be like, hey, look, there's a plexiglass wall. I'm pretty sure something's going to jump at me. Uh, but they also played around with the idea of pulsing, which uh, when you're going through a maze, traditionally, you would have everyone in front of you getting scared and everyone behind you getting scared. And there's a chance that you could miss uh, a real scare. Okay. Now, speaking of pulsing through, you you had discovered something interesting about how, for example, for the team members who are operating uh, these two houses, how they're identifying the individual groups. Um, can, you, can you talk a little bit about the glow sticks? Yeah, glow sticks. It was great. Uh, the fact that you had the ability to go through a house and have the performers and everyone around you know where one group ended and the next group began basically allowed for the characters to time their scares. Mm -hmm. The original plan was to use glow sticks. Um, and it looks like from what we're hearing out of the uh, out of the, the houses today, mm -hmm. they were utilizing glow sticks in the morning and then stopped in the afternoon. Oh. It looks like they didn't use them for both houses, mm -hmm. which shows me that maybe there's a difference of uh, traffic flow in mm -hmm. Tooth Fairy versus... Bride of Frankenstein, where they can kind of hide the pulsers, which are basically the, the team members in the house mm -hmm. and have them go through with their, you know, glow up uh, orange lights. OK, now, can we talk a little bit about the actual physical setup of some of these houses? Because face it, you know, in, in much the same way as, you know, we go to our, our you know, you know, our local target or the post office and that sort of thing, you know, we now deal with a plexiglass screen that separates us from either the clerk who's working the cash register or the gentleman who's taking your package. And we've got a lot of those as well in these houses, right? The, the plexiglass barriers. Yeah. And in a 2020 environment, when you're dealing with uh, COVID-19 and social distancing, things like this with the plexiglass and with the, um, the pulsing, it's all part of the experience. Now, I'm assuming that with the, the way that the crowds are going through these houses, they're getting psyched up knowing that there is plexiglass. And that means there's going to be a, a scare or some screen or something being utilized to set the environment. Well, the characters that are in these um, houses, they understand that as well. That means that your uh, focus as a guest is on something and they can go behind and possibly find a different way to scare you. It's all about anticipation and knowing that the characters that are there, they're there to have fun and they're going to take their job incredibly seriously. Um, all right. I, I and again, you've been following, obviously, again, they're not allowing people to film inside of the, these houses yet, uh, but you've you've seen a couple of re reviews so far. And I, as I understand it, the legend of the Tooth Fairy is steampunk themed. Uh, mm -hmm. On the other hand, a, a Bride of Frankenstein Lives, is this uh, the classic uh, Bride of Frankenstein? I mean, what is this about? Yeah, it looks like it is typical universal creative with uh, the Halloween Horror Nights-esque where they find a property and then delve into it in order to have a beginning, middle, and an end within every maze and every adventure. And it looks like that's what, what's going on. Now, keep in mind, we haven't been able to go through this uh, house. 
There is no video allowed. They haven't really produced any uh, promotional photos. There's nothing that we can really say outside of hearing secondhand information from people who have just got out of the houses and giving their reviews. I know for a fact that as soon as people get that opportunity to go through, they're going to be in a different level because they are so excited to get into a Halloween Horror Nights-esque uh, environment. Whether or not it is, you know, during the day or at nighttime, it's all going to be exactly what Universal wants. And let's be honest, the fact that these two houses sold out with their um, virtual queues during a pandemic is amazing. Folks were waiting at 7 o'clock, 6.30 in the morning in order to get inside the gates and get their virtual queue. That's incredible. You don't see that right now because we're we're in a different world right now. We don't know what's going on. Halloween's been canceled. Uh, the holidays have been canceled. But yet you still have folks who are huge fans of Halloween Horror Nights that are getting out there and saying, you know what? Be as safe as you want to. We will adhere to any policy that you can. We'll wear face coverings. We'll social distance. That's all fine. We just want to have fun again. And I think that's a, a success for Universal. Yeah, and it's, it's worth noting here that, uh, again, on Saturday, they went to capacity on both uh, Universal uh, Studios Florida as well as Islands and Volcano Bay. And I think mm -hmm. you were mentioning, as we were getting ready to record here, that, what, as of this morning at 9.30 on Sunday, uh, they were also at capacity? Yeah, the fact that something like this could hit capacity, not just, uh, you know, for guests who are walking up. No, they had signs out front when you were driving into the theme parks telling you that the haunted houses were already at capacity. This sets expectations that, you know, if you're thinking of just going to the parks just for the, the haunted houses, we're, we're good. We're at capacity. But the fact that this happened during a time period that we are in a pandemic and people were worried about all these different elements that went through, this is awesome. Uh, there were difference of capacities. Uh, so when people came into the parks and they would get their virtual pass, they would go and do other things. And then maybe later on in the day, Universe will bring out more capacity. Hmm. I've seen videos of folks getting into the line and it's crazy long. And then they'll come into the line a little bit later on. And there's, you know, it's almost a walk on. This is what happens during a test and adjust phase, especially for an event like this that, you know, we're kind of trying something new. We're not reinventing uh, the wheel, but it's pretty darn close. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what's going to happen next after this weekend. Okay. Well, all right. And um, OK, let's let's talk operations here. Um, sure. Okay. First and foremost, you know, it's one thing uh, when Halloween Horror Nights is an after hours hard ticket. You know, and the assumption sure. is, you know, the entire park has been reset and, you know, you've got your your street, you know, streetmosphere performers and, and the like. Um, what's different about this is they're doing this during the day when, you know, other guests who, you know, are, you know, who've already, you know, are staying on property in hotels and that sort of thing. Um, you know, folks who aren't necessarily familiar with a, a Halloween horror event. And in fact, for me, what was was intriguing is they put out additional signage stressing 
that um, you know the Halloween horror uh, houses are not recommended for children under 13. That they are very intense, you know, with the hope that you know some poor family uh, that that managed to score reservations to you know uh, you know rise of, of Frank you know or going to be the the Bride Frankenstein lives or uh, Legend of the Tooth Fairy is isn't just going up the street like oh well we just finished doing. You know, despicable me, minion. You know, mayhem. You know, let's take the kids <laughs> into the. This looks like it'll be fun. Um, so you yeah, know. as we're going to um, to Diagon Alley, going mm -hmm. around to Simpsons, going around because, yeah. as you said, typically you're you're closing off the event mm -hmm. for an adult or yeah. you know thirteen plus mm -hmm. thing. So you'll have the blood and gore all over the place. Now, the one thing that we found was that they they still have the sights and sounds of Halloween Horror Nights, but a little bit more hidden, mm -hmm. hidden in plain sight, like the merch carts and the food stalls. Well, yeah, that, that, and, and, and speaking of which, again, we were you know, talking about how they were making fun of us earlier. It's like churros. You're getting excited about churros. <laughs> but, you know, on Friday when the menu came up, you know, I mean, I, I, again, I sitting in the car and you know watching the photos you know blip up on twitter where it's effective what the signage that read franken fried chicken and funnel brains which is i guess uh well it's a, a fried chicken top funnel cake with a berry glaze or a berry glaze and a, a powdered sugar yeah it's a strawberry sauce with maple mayo and mm. powdered sugar to be honest it, it looks really gross uh but mm. as soon as you dive into it the flavors just work well, likewise, they, they also have electrified skin and guts, which, as it turns out, are pork fry or pork rind nachos with uh, spiced ground beef and scallions. Mm -hmm. um, don't have any information about what actually is involved with a twisted tater with blood and guts or, for that matter, a Franken coils. Um, but I got to assume it's, it's something similar along those lines where... You know, uh, food that you know and love. Yeah, it's a, it looks like it's a chili cheese sauce. Ah. Um, but when if you're a family just walking through and you're like, I'm I'm feeling a little uh, a little peckish right now. Mm. I think we should go and get. Oh, I didn't. What is this? Yeah, and that's... it's also you know. Let's be honest here that that I, you know, I, and I applaud those brave souls on Friday morning that were digging right into their their you know fried funnel cake brain you know just sort of like that's that's <sighs> 10 o'clock in the morning that's a little hard for me to get into um all right yep um but also remember because they've opened up these two haunted houses in the production central that that fronts free to the park um you know that it's kind of like it's a ripple effect you know it, it's you know for example you know folks who work in themed entertainment will tell you like for example when you build a giant e-ticket attraction you then have to go okay so we need for this side of the park to you know double our capacity for restrooms because we're going to have more people over on this side so uh conversely with with these two houses here um universal felt that they had to create a, well i guess for their parks they're calling them the u rest zones mm -hmm. uh these are the places where guests can step away for a few months and take off their masks and that sort of thing so uh there's that park um in uh the new york area that's uh just in front of well actually in front of the tribute store uh and near the mummy uh just across from macy's that i guess has been designated as the new 
you risked for you know the folks who were in the area to go to these two mazes. Also, um, I was really delighted to hear that that uh, Finnegan's uh, has been reopened. Now, mind you, it's Finnegan's with social distancing, but just figuring that with this many more people in the area, uh, we probably need to give them some place to get a drink, and uh, you know that that's. I'm hoping you can still get the soda bread there because that was really good stuff. Oh, it was amazing. Uh, you like the and the butter with the uh, with the Universal logo on it. Oh, uh, you know, again, it's butter. You know, just again, you know, <laughs> the, the, but all right. But here's where it gets intriguing, though. So, okay, we we've got our U rest area opening in the park. We've got Finnegan's opening. Uh, you know, right next door to it to, to give people an additional mm-hmm. place to get a drink. And, but then, deep in the park. We get La Cafe La Bamba opens uh, with a, a skeleton bar theme. Um, and you, you were talking about you'd seen some photos of that. Yeah. And what's cool with this uh, this diner location. So mm-hmm. typically it is Cafe La Bamba. It's now the skeleton bar uh, because it is a not a house. People can go mm-hmm. through it and video and do whatever they want to. Um, they've got a really cool menu with the bloody charred tandoori skewer. The um, screaming for s'mores, fries, um, frozen candy corn, all that other stuff. But the thing that really got us was that it's not close to the other two houses. So does this mean that in, you know, the great scheme of thing that they're actually going to be doing something on the other side of the park? Well, yeah. Okay, well, what Dustin is, is talking about is there have been all sorts of rumors online that on the heels of the success of the opening of um, uh, Bride of Frankenstein Lives and the legend of the Tooth Fairy that supposedly, uh, and again, remember, we, we're reporting or, or recording this show on September 20th, and that's, that's a good five and six weeks before Halloween is up. And the rumors out there are that we're going to see. And remember, when when uh, when the news broke in the middle of July that there was going to be no Halloween Horror Night uh, this year, Universal. I mean, they begin designing these things a full three months. You know, for example, the 2020 shows uh, or the the houses for 2020 were actually three months into development when the 2019 edition of Halloween Horror Night, you know, uh, debuted, uh, what, Mm -hmm. uh, early September of last year. So uh, these were well underway. So, you know, when Universal decided to pull the plug. So, you know, again, with Cafe La Bamba Skeleton Bar opening up in the middle of the park, one that suggests that, you know, again, because they were looking for an additional venue for folks to be able to get a drink and that sort of thing, that... Maybe we're going to see a couple of houses open in that immediate vicinity. Uh, but you were suggesting from what you'd learned, Dustin, that uh, not necessarily immediately, right? Or Yeah, so it looks like what's going on is, uh, be, as you were saying, there are houses that were in development. There was merchandise that was purchased that people, you know, had to design t-shirts and you know mugs and all this other stuff well those are just sitting in a warehouse somewhere and being anticipated be like okay is there a chance that we can sell this well one of the big rumors flying around is that uh there was going to be a huge push for beetlejuice this year 
So is there a possibility that Beetlejuice will be joining this Halloween Horror Nights-esque thing uh, with a house or a maze in the next couple of weeks? Because um, if they've already designed it and possibly built it, uh, it would make sense to utilize the social distancing uh, success that is going on right now uh, and possibly do something else. The other um, uh, design or other... Uh, property that we're hearing is the icons now i don't know whether or not they will want to use that for a non-halloween horror nights year uh knowing that next year is still going to be the 30th uh anniversary of halloween horror nights but i could see them bringing as many of these online as possible because let's see it like it's a success Mm -hmm. so if they have the merchandise they have the the design they've already built it why not see what will happen? But we still have no idea whatsoever what will happen because they Universal hasn't confirmed whether or not this will happen for multiple weeks or even next week. We don't know. Hey guys, it's Dustin from the future. As I'm editing this podcast that Jim and I recorded on September the 20th, I realized that things can change overnight. And that's exactly what happened on September 22nd. Universal put out a press release that talked about the uh, experiences that will be coming to Universal Orlando starting the weekend of September 26th and 27th and then daily through from October 3rd until November the 1st. We know that this is out there. We have the press release. We are going to be discussing how this will uh, affect Halloween and what to look forward to in uh, Universal Orlando, but we're going to do that on the next show. So I just wanted to stop in in the middle of this to let you guys know we recorded this two days before Universal uh, brought out the press release. We do know that it's here. We are incredibly excited to talk about it on the next show. Now back to Dustin and Jim from two days ago, which is actually three days ago. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Got it. And also, uh, in addition to the houses, we just also had another Halloween-related activity debut at, at Universal Studios Florida that, that sends guests all the way around the park. Do, do, do you want to talk about the, what is it, the Scarecrow Stock? So the Scarecrow Stock is at Universal Studios Florida. It is a scavenger hunt that sends guests to find unique scarecrows and collect stamps at 13 retail locations throughout the park. Uh, As soon as you uh, complete said scavenger hunt, you get a chance to go and get a Halloween treat. Pretty cool stuff. The 13 locations are actually on a um, pamphlet that you can get at the Universal Studios store or any of the retail locations uh, within this area. It is really cool because it takes you into stores that usually you don't have that opportunity to go into, like SpongeBob Store Pants um, or Shrek's Yield Souvenir Shop. Also really gets uh, some, some fun opportunities to go into places like Men in Black uh, Gear Shop 
and the five and dime. So definitely a fun experience. And let's be honest, anything that you can do at a theme park for free and get candy, mm-hmm. even better. All right. Uh, speaking of, of candy related uh, stuff at the parks, uh, the Tootsums, uh, the Chocolate Emporium, and I want to get that to the whole name right. Savory Kitchen Feast. Um, again, you know that that you know one of these retail slash entertainment things. I mean, the, when they it debuted at the resort a couple of years back, you know people were excited about uh, you know the the characters that seem to live at Tootsums and um, the character the, the the cast has expanded um, just recently. Uh, do do you want to talk about Latte? Yeah, Latte the dog. Um, so uh, guests can now meet Latte uh, right out in front of the Tusum Chocolate Emporium. Uh, it's a Latte is a dynamic spot dog um, robot mm-hmm. that was developed by Boston Dynamics. So it's a steampunk inspired mechanical dog um, and is the latest invention of the restaurant's founder, Penelope, and her trusty companion, Jacques. So they do um, uh, shows uh, intermittently between four and six daily. Uh, it's actually really cool. It's kind of cute. Um, they they have some, uh, you know, things that dogs normally do, you know, sit, stay, speak, that kind of thing. Um, but the design mm-hmm. of, of Latte the dog is so impressive. Uh, it is just so cute. Um, but they've done a really cool... Um, partnership between the inside of Toothsome's where they created a new milkshake called Latte's Latte. And it's a milkshake that's made with coffee, ice cream, and espresso, then topped with fresh whipped cream, dark chocolate, a biscotti, and chocolate-covered espresso beans. Well, they don't miss a trick, do they? Um, but, okay, so again, so that that's outside in City Walk. So again, if you, if you show up and aren't able to score your your reservations for Bride of Frankenstein, or well, the downside is <laughs> if they're going going clean by nine thirty, you I don't know if you really want to hang around till four or four in the afternoon to see the robot dog. But but I'm just saying that there's something else to see there. Uh, if on the other hand you like technology and as opposed to fast moving robot do- dogs. You want to see something slow moving. Um, did you see where they were doing the, uh, they refer to it as the passage, um, what is it? Yes, the passage and clearance test over at the, the again, the coaster, which we're not supposed to call the Velocicoaster, but the Velocicoaster over at uh, <laughs> Islands of Adventure in the soon to be renamed Jurassic World section of the park. Um, I, you know, it's just what's funny for me is that that I remember um, when, you know, again, I'm old. You know, I remember when these sorts of tests were done where they literally the, the idea is they, they put the coaster, they send the coaster around the entire track with this elaborate mm-hmm. frame on the outside that is supposed to be the maximum reach of a, a human being sitting inside of this attraction with the notion that if you know you if you know a, a ridiculously tall person stuck their arms out you know this would be you know as far as they could reach and the idea is you send the coaster slowly around the track to determine that that all props all you know story elements all set pieces you know aren't 
you know, within that person theoretical reach. And I just remember, for example, when Disney did this very same thing with Expedition Everest, there was no frame and they did not move slowly. Oh, no. They just put a really flimsy two by four, you know, (laughs) in, uh, you know, the front seat and sent it through and it was just one of these things where it's like okay the two by four came back splintered it's like all right we should probably find out where it hit you know <laughs> somebody want to go through the track and look for splintered two by four um you know so it's just it's just kind of interesting that you know it, in this amount of time we now have gone from the full speed test to the very slow passage um yeah. by the way uh, you know it, it, that test got a little complicated uh, because as they were doing it, the Osprey came back. Um, oh, they're back, Mr. and Mrs. Osprey. Yeah, well, it was only one that I, I saw them take a picture of, so it'll be, you know, I, I don't know if, you know, they're back over from Dr. Phillips' school about, you know, it's, the neighborhood is not as nice as we thought it would be, and we really want to come back here, and, you know, are they going to chase us away again? So, um, long story short, folks, this story is not over yet. Um, and, and speaking of Jurassic World related stories, uh, just this Friday on Netflix, a brand new animated series, Camp Cretaceous, debuted, uh, which kind of intriguing. Uh, the gimmick of the show is it's basically set before, during and after the first Jurassic World movie. Uh, the conceit is that. Uh, they've just, they're just about to open a brand new area at, at the Jurassic World theme park that's basically on the back of the island. It's a, a camp for teens. Uh, mm-hmm. And five lucky kids have showed up to be able to sort of test drive this camp that at full build-out will have uh, places for 500 teens to hang out and play and that sort of thing. And um, and again, it's it's because it happens before, during, and after Jurassic World. Something goes horribly wrong, uh, <laughs> and I you know it, and I don't want to give too much away. But again, if you've seen the original Jurassic World, you know what went wrong. Um, but the interesting thing is this so clearly ends in a way to set up season two, uh, and I, I, I guess for me. The problem is that there is, you know, anyone who's seen Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, uh, there's a ticking clock. (laughs) You know, it's just sort of (laughs) like, you know, well, these kids are on the island and, you know, should we try and go rescue them? It's like uh, the volcano. Does anybody notice the volcano? Um, So it's not just a a nice looking backdrop for a postcard. It's kind of active. Yeah. So, um going to be interesting to see uh you know where they go with season two but um i gotta tell you uh given that that netflix quite proudly listed you know yesterday afternoon when i'm watching this thing that this was the number two downloaded program in the u.s uh, you know all of the u.s yesterday so it, it's clearly a, a huge huge success right out of the box so it'll be interesting to see how quickly uh, we get season two of Camp Cretaceous. Uh, nicely done. Uh, d- done in CG. Uh, you know, it, I mean, it, it gets a little preachy at point. There's a lot of, oh, we're, we're, we're friends and we help each other in team building. and uh, But at the same time, it, it's preachy and bloodless because it's a show mm-hmm. that's that's aimed at kids. So 
uh, when the Indominus Rex shows up. Uh, he eats a couple of people, but he does it off camera. <laughs> and evidently he uses a napkin because, you, you know, you never see any blood. Um, but yeah, that that's uh, if you've got a 10 year old who's, you know, very much into the Jurassic Park movies, definitely check this out. Um, but, I, you know, I guess this time next year when we finally get our new coaster open, uh, it'll be interesting to see how much Camp Cretaceous merch actually shows up uh at uh you know over at uh jurassic world and, and islands and and speaking of merch in, in a, a few minutes we're going to talk about uh some merch that just showed up uh as part of a halloween celebration at universal studios japan and we're back um okay, but again dustin it's not really a surprise that you know, a universal, the universal parks around the world are also celebrating uh, Halloween this year. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. We we know ahead of uh, Halloween that, you know, folks around the world, they celebrate Halloween differently. Mm-hmm. So a, a ghost tour or a, you know, a haunted house in Universal Studios, Florida and Hollywood mm-hmm will definitely look different in Japan because of just the the way that Halloween is is celebrated and observed in different parts around the world. Yeah, and 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 remember that you know that that because of, you know, different cultures take on the supernatural or that sort of thing. I mean, for example, uh in Japan, you know, that that again, in fact, what's kind of interesting at Universal Studios Japan is they've they've opted to go the cuter uh, version of the hol- uh, holiday. They, 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 this is more about you know, for example, going into the parks and encountering uh, Elmo or Hello Kitty or Snoopy uh, dressed up for Halloween, and and then finding a, a COVID safe way to get uh, your your so uh, socially distant selfie. Uh, but uh, <laughs> what's kind of interesting is as part of this event. Uh, at Universal Studios Japan has put out a line of Casper merch. And I don't know if you remember uh, that Universal actually made a Casper movie. In fact, this year is the, the 25th anniversary of it coming out. It debuted in May of 1995. Oh, I loved this movie. This, this really? movie, absolutely. Um, first mm. off, the fact that you got Christina Ricci, Bill Pullman, which mm. Bill Pullman underrated actor when you look at how many mm. features you can tell that he like he wasn't he the president of the u.s at one point he was in uh independence day he's just a man of many talents and what mm. i really loved about uh casper was the fact that they had um brad garrett uh as one of the the voices i believe of one of the ghosts and um they had both the the um the animated version of Casper. And then at the end, they brought, mm-hmm. um, oh, what's his name from Final Destination? Uh, the kid, um, Devin Sawa, to be the mm-hmm. human version of Casper. You know, classic stuff when you, mm-hmm. if you really want the true 90s version of, you know, a scary movie, mm-hmm. uh, go and watch Casper from 1995. You'll enjoy it. You know, again, we're going to remember that they were, were trying to hit that, that sweet spot, you know, between. In fact, it's, it's, um, you know, well, the other thing to remember here is that 
1995. This is exactly two years after the original Jurassic Park had opened in theaters mm-hmm. and made, you know, buku bucks. You know, just uh, I, I want to say Universal spent $63 million to make the thing. And it wound up, uh, if you factor in the domestic and international run, uh, it made, I want to say, $912 million, which, you know, again, you know, that it was the, the first film to sell more than $500 million worth of tickets overseas. So Universal was thrilled. Uh, so uh, they mm-hmm. wanted a similar effects-filled f- a film that could play to a family audience. And so this is why they, they developed Casper the way they did. And they, they spent big bucks. It wasn't the $63 million that they spent on uh, kind of Jurassic Park, but it was fifty-five. Uh, it would, and in a lot of ways, you, you mentioned, you know, Brad Garrett's ghost character, I think Fatso, mm-hmm. uh, but all of those characters, the ghosts were done in CG. So it was kind of, you know, it, as a, it made sense as a follow-up project to, to, to Jurassic Park as a heavily CG, heavily used effects. Um, it didn't do quite as well, uh, as, uh, Jurassic a part did mm-hmm. you know uh you know that that it i want to say did 100 million and change stateside uh 187 overseas so just south of, of 300 million dollars so it was it was a financial success for the studio but the problem was the yardstick was you know oh we didn't make 900 million I, but at the same time it was the the eighth highest grossing film for the mm-hmm. year uh, only sold, uh, you know, 76 million fewer, you know, tickets than Toy Story, which was, and again, because that was an all CG film. That was all that people could talk about. Um, but, you know, Universal thought, okay, well, sort of a franchise. Let's try. So there were the uh, two direct-to-video sequels. Uh, we had 1997's uh, Casper's Spirit of Beginning, 1998's Casper Meets Wendy, which for all of you Lizzie McGuire fans out there, this was one of the, the very first times that uh, Hilary Duff was on camera. She played Wendy. Um, and Simon Wells, uh, one of the gentlemen who uh, directed, uh, I am blanking the name of it, the first DreamWorks. Oh, uh, Prince of Egypt. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, so... He, you know, Simon is one of these guys who goes back and forth between uh, animation and and live action. In fact, you may remember his his version of the Time Machine, you know, a, a couple of years back. Um, but Simon um, Simon wrote a sequel. He was uh, ready to direct it, uh, you know. But then in July of two thousand, uh, word came down that Universal had pulled the plug on the project. Uh, there were two reasons listed. Uh, one was that I guess the uh, the directed video sequels uh, hadn't quite pulled the numbers that Universal wanted. And, and the other thing is you'd mentioned at the top there, Christina Ricci. Um, by this point, uh, Christina had appeared in 1998. Uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. uh, which was directed by Terry Gilliam. And then the following year, she appeared in Sleepy Hollow, uh, which was directed by Tim Burton. Kind of interesting in both of these projects. She co-starred with Johnny Depp. But at this point, 
Christina began to think of herself as a, a, an actress who appears in movies for adults, mm -hmm. which, by the way, is different than adult films. Okay, I want to stress that. <laughs> uh, so she just didn't want to go back and, and do the, you know, uh, play the role of, of, of Cat Harvey at that point. And evidently that was the idea they wanted, you know, her as the name to come back, you know. And it, when she didn't come back, it was, okay, we're not going to go forward with Casper the film. Um, now, what's kind of interesting here is Jurassic Park. Um, even as the Jurassic Park, you know, Michael Crichton's 1990s book was being adapted to be, you know, the movie that came out in the summer of 1993, on a parallel track, Universal Creative was already working on Jurassic Park, The Ride, uh, which is how it was able to open uh, in the lower lot of Universal Studios Hollywood uh, by the summer of 1996. And then uh, we got the, the Jurassic Park, The Land, and Jurassic Park, River Adventure, mm -hmm opening at IOA in 99, and then finally the Japan version opening uh, two years later in March of 2001. Um, and again, remember that, you know, that because Universal thought Casper was going to be a Jurassic Park-sized hit, they also began work on a Casper ride. Um, and, you know, to give Universal cre uh, creative credit, uh, they were kind of riding the high of having done uh, Men in Black Alien Attack at that, that point and had done a, a big interactive effects-filled attraction. And so the thinking was, ooh, let's do another one of those. And so Casper, uh, the Casper ride, was going to be Universal's answer to Disney's Haunted Mansion. Um, the idea is you were going to go to Whipstaff Manor, you know, which had been introduced in the, the first film. And, but instead of a doom buggy, uh, your ride vehicle in this attraction was, the bed, wasn't was it? going to be, yeah, the four poster bed. Oh, that's great. <laughs> but now where this gets cool is that, um, each, you know, the, so the idea is it's, it's a bed with seating for four. Yep. And but everybody is able from their seat to touch the post uh, the, on their side of the bed. And that's a crucial part of this ride because it's basically a joystick. And what would happen at various points in this ride? Like, for example, say in the Haunted Mansion, you mm -hmm. ride by the, the endless hallway. Mm -hmm. uh, on the Casper ride, you'd go up the endless hallway. And if you came to a door, uh, you know, if, say, three of you on the ride vehicle, you know, leaned your post in that direction, the vehicle would actually go into the room and you'd have an experience. And then you'd eventually come out of that room and go back to the, the main track. The idea was it was going to be an interactive uh, attraction with, with these various rooms that you could opt in and out of. So that every time you rode this ride, if you were within a different group of people who had, you know, you know and, and again, you could you could go to different parts of this mansion and i mean mind you because of the branching track and the different showrooms and that sort of thing it was going to be a giant show building uh oh, you yeah. know, very expensive especially the, like when you're looking at a choose your own adventure style mm -hmm. where you yeah. have multiple ride vehicles going at the same time it's not like you're at the the jungle cruise um experience that was at um disney quest where you were in front mm -hmm. of a screen 
and everyone had their own interactive like uh, paddle, you could mm -hmm. have, in fact, gone into any of these different rooms at any given point. And this was before trackless technology. So there is a lot of tech tech that ha would have to have worked for this. When you're talking about this, I would have loved to have seen uh, the version in the 90s that this would have come out. That would have been awesome. Yeah, it would have been. But uh, but again, it was just, you know, from Universal's side of the fence, it was one of these things where they added up what the ticket sales had been for the theatrical release for how many VHSs they had sold for Spirited Beginning and, you know, Casper Meets Wendy. It just, it wasn't the magic number. Mm -hmm. and, and especially these days at Universal, it is all about the, uh, you know, uh, show me, you know, exactly how much merch we've sold show me you know uh, you know all the financials yeah. which is why you know for example universal beijing or f you know for that matter uh epic universe uh is all about you know tried and true ips uh though again i still i still am fascinated by the whole universal classic monsters land i'm you know i i still will be surprised if that if that does in fact get built because um, you know it, it's just it's ironic to me because they have tried so many times now to do the reboots mm -hmm. and yes just in this past year we've had you know the uh, the elizabeth moss uh invisible man and we've got that uh yet another version of the wolfman being prepped but these are this is not transylvania yeah. this these are modern updates of these things and i just i don't know if i i i just don't know if people are willing it's like oh honey look a, you know a european village from the 1930s let's take the kids <laughs> in there well here's uh, my question does I, something like this which is the halloween horror nights light haunted houses uh not really an official halloween horror nights but still something you know scary and uh characters that kind of thing does this change the um the conversation in-house for the creatives going forward on epic universe knowing that people are really looking forward to a halloween event so much so that they're actually lining up at 6 30 7 o'clock in the morning park hitting capacity just because of uh something like this well forgive me for saying this but you know I, I, it's really easy to sell halloween in say september and october um may june eh, you know i mean i just I, that's the thing i just i don't know if necessarily the universal monster, a land entirely dedicated to the universal monsters, mm -hmm. will have that sort of appeal, you know, in the heat of, especially in the heat of summer of, of, of Florida, because it's, you know, a, you know, it's just, it's kind of like if you go to the the German pavilion at uh, at, at Epcot, you know, it's just sort of, you know, the, the people look so much more happy. You know, the cast members who work there in their leader hose, and when it's October and November, it's a little cool in Florida. Yep. You know, you, you, you're there in July and August, and they're just, you know, like, it's a, I'm, I'm going to get myself an oversized beer. <laughs> you know, just sort of, um, I don't know. I just, I, I think there are things that don't necessarily work in summer in Florida that, that on the other hand, you know, uh, when this, there's a little bit of, you know, a bite in the mm -hmm. air, even in Florida, it's like, why, yes, I want 
some mold apple cider or I want, you know, a hot chocolate with a candy cane sticking out of it. You know, just there are seasonal appropriate things at work. And I, I just, you know, I, I that's, I guess, my concern yep. is that you build a land that I, you know, I know that'll work, you know, from September to October, but uh, February, March, not so sure. Unless they do it all inside. So, well, yeah, but even then, because then then they can control the the atmosphere, almost like the um, what is it, the Little Mermaid um, show building mm-hmm. that's uh, overseas at the Disney parks. Yeah, and when you go in, mm-hmm. and you you've got the the ability to basically transform not only the the ambiance, but you can control the temperature. So, being able to sell that hot chocolate. Yeah, but at the same time, remember that you know it's easy to get people through the door mm-hmm. uh, when it's it's Ariel. You know, it's it's a little Absolutely. mermaid. It's a character that that modern theme park goers know. You know that that's you know uh, that's the thing. You know, do do theme park goers? It's oh my god! It's a guy dressed as Bella Lugosi. Yeah. You know, it's just sort of like yeah, I I, I don't know. So anyway, okay, so. Uh, folks, we, we, we uh, Dustin and I would, speaking of uh, Halloween Horror Night and horror-related stuff, we would love to hear what, if you've been lucky enough to be among the few to get in uh, for the opening weekend of the not-Halloween Horror Night. Uh, we'd love to hear your impressions of the houses and how you felt Universal did. Uh, so if you want to reach out, uh, feel free. We'll share your stories. Um uh, Dustin, on the other hand, while we're waiting on the next show, what's going on with the We Love Theme Parks stuff? Yep, We Like Theme Parks is still going on. Chris, Mark, and Miriam are doing a great job holding down the fort, um, creating some great content for theme park fans. Uh, we've also got StepsToMagic.com. That's Disney Universal trip planning, top 10 lists, all that other fun stuff. Jill and I have actually created our new uh, website, WiFiAdventures.com, which is... Uh, basically trip reports and top tens and fun facts about you know things that we do while we are uh traveling so that's over at wifiadventures.com and uh yeah that's basically about it for me but you're what 27 28 podcast at this point well six i think uh let's see we got disney dish with lentesto we got fine tuning with drew taylor we got looking at Lucasfilm with Dan Z. We got Marvel Us Disney uh, that I do with Aaron Adams, the gentleman who wades into these podca- podcasts and tries to get me to stop saying um and you know all the time. Uh, let's see what else, what else, what else, what else. Uh, we also have, well, of course, the podcast you're listening to now. In addition, uh, we have I Want That with Shelley Valladolid, who. Uh, Hoping to get a new show out the gate here. Shelly's been having some health issues, but she's feeling better. So hopefully this will be the week we'll get a new show going. Um, Tell you what, folks, if you could do Dustin and I a favor and head over to iTunes and rate and recommend not only Universal Joint, but likewise, uh, we like theme parks. That would be that gets uh, extra ears and eyeballs. Uh, Likewise, if you really, really, really like what you heard here today, if you get head over to... um, uh, band camp and subscribe that that would be incredibly helpful uh, let's see what else if folks are looking to follow you on social media Dustin where might they look yeah I'm on Pinterest at Steps to Magic uh, Instagram Twitter all that other fun stuff got it okay and Nancy wants me to remind you 
that on Twitter and Instagram we are Jim Hill Media, and I want to say it fa- on Facebook we're Jim Hill Media News. Yes. And all right, I guess that will do it for this week, folks. Thank you so much for listening. And like I said, if you're lucky enough to to get into Universal Studios Florida and have yourself a big bowl of fried funnel cake brains, <laughs> if you want to share, maybe keep the pictures to yourself. But we'd love to hear about what they taste <laughs> like. Okay. So 